Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. I'm Abby. I'm your editor, Bryce, and this is part two of the episodes on the death penalty. We're going to talk about some pros and cons associated with the death penalty, specifically some of the costs associated with it, some of the reasons that it is a little risky to keep it in play, specifically with wrongful convictions. And finally, we're going to talk about our own opinions on it and if we are for or against it. So throw back your shot of espresso and let's dive in. I'm going to get us started with some cons for the death penalty. First off, statistically, it can be a little discriminatory for a couple reasons. One, it seems to be discriminatory in the aspect of race, economic status. So a big part of that is whether or not certain people are able to afford good lawyers, social standings, and also location. Like Texas is a very big pro-death penalty state, whereas when you go to some of the ones, especially on the East Coast, they don't even do death penalty anymore. So depending on where you are when you commit the crime can heavily weigh into whether or not the death penalty is on the table for you. It also statistically doesn't really lower crime rates. Some people do argue that the fear of having the death penalty does lower it, but actually, I think we found otherwise. So in Canada, their murder rate actually dropped by 44% after they got rid of the death penalty as a punishment because people were so afraid of spending their life in prison instead of being put to death. Which that always reminds me of Israel Keys because he specifically said, I want to be put to death and I'll tell you more about my crimes if I can have that. Yeah, and I think how they worded it to him was the more you tell us the more likely you'll get the death penalty i don't think they ever really said it like up front yeah we'll give you the death penalty so let's talk about the cost of the death penalty it varies depending on where you are what state and with each case obviously but just to give you guys an idea of what we're looking at a report done in 2010 showed that in 2004 the median cost of a death penalty case that went to trial was about $620,000. However, it's even higher up now and depending on the state, and it can be hundreds of thousands all the way up to a million dollars, if not more in some cases. I'm assuming all of those, since they're current, are primarily lethal injection cases. I don't know for sure that the statistics are off of that, but I think most likely because it is what we've been using. A couple of things that go into the cost of somebody getting the death penalty and ultimately going through the process and being put to death is legal cost, pretrial cost, paying the jury. The trial itself is very expensive. And then incarceration itself, we know it costs a lot from taxpayers to keep people in prison. And it carries over with people on death row as well. And then there's also a lot of times people who get the death penalty make a lot of appeals. And through all this process, they have to pay the fees, pay people to be, you know, doing their job as a part of it. And legal fees are hefty. So I guess when you first hear 
the topic of the cost of the death penalty, you might first think the actual cost of putting them to death. The chemicals, the hours it takes for them to administer the drugs and all of that, but there's there's a lot more behind the scenes you wouldn't necessarily think of at first. Absolutely, and that's kind of where my research took me, was really looking into all the breakdowns of the money that goes into it. Another, I'm going to say con specifically for this study I read, but it could be a pro as well, is whether or not the families of victims want the culprit to be put to death. There was a petition going around recently where it was 175 family members of victims where the person who committed the crime was on death row had signed this petition saying they were against the death penalty and didn't think that it really gave them any kind of closure. However, there's a flip side to that where families do want to see these criminals punished in their eyes. This is the worst way possible. I do remember one quote from, I believe, the mother of one of the victims of Israel Keys after he had killed himself in prison. She was kind of upset about the fact that he took his own life himself versus it being through something like the death penalty and how that didn't really give the right kind of closure that she wanted, but she was still happy overall that he was gone from the world. Like it was still good riddance, a positive thing. When I was doing my research, there was actually a guy and I don't remember his name. There was a guy who was on death row and it was the day that he was supposed to be put to death and he had been collecting the pills that he was supposed to be taking and instead of taking them he was keeping them under his tongue and then he collected a bunch and the day that he was scheduled to be executed he overdosed on all of the pills well the guards found him and instead of just letting him die that way they took him to the hospital pumped his stomach and then brought him back to the prison and they put him back on death row and he was executed like a couple days later or something which they did that because they didn't feel like he should be able to cheat death row. I think if the death penalty stays on the board as something that can be used, I think that family members of victims maybe should get a right to have an opinion on where that goes. There's one testimony I was reading where I think it was the mom of a victim said that she felt like giving the death penalty to her daughter's murderer she said, she used the word dirties, her name. She said, I know she wouldn't want it. We don't want it. That's not what we condone. And I, I do wonder and think maybe they should have a say in that. What do you guys think? That makes me question, though, what if it is a situation like Israel Keys or Ted Bundy where there's multiple victims and multiple families? Then do you just put it to a vote? What happens based on what the families want? I guess more or less it really comes down to is his punishment, his or her punishment, more about getting the proper punishment from the state or the country on what is like technically supposed to be given to them or more of a he is given this punishment to appease what he did to these families. Whichever way you look at it could kind of dictate what your opinion might be on that. But I guess ultimately in that situation... It might be a little bit more sensible to consider what the families would want because ultimately they're the ones that are suffering and if a certain form of punishment is going to make that suffering worse or not help, then I think that should be somewhat considered. But as far as multiple victims, that's tough. I'm not smart enough for that. Yeah, going back to you saying like it's ultimately this family that's grieving. Some 
of these families argue that by serving out the death penalty, you're just bringing in another grieving family and that it's not necessarily helping anybody heal. But I do know that you, I mean, it, for some people, it does help them get that kind of closure. Along with that is the fact that the inmate gets witnesses to their execution. So there are people that get to watch that, which I just think is absolutely insane. But I did see that the inmate gets to choose who they want there as a witness. And then the victim's families also get to choose who they want there as a witness. And then they split. They're kept separately. But then they get to watch somebody be put to death. Which, to me, is kind of mind-blowing because, one, who wants to watch somebody die? But also, a lot of these people who are committing some of these crimes that are being put to death for it... Like Ted Bundy, they want attention. And so they're getting the recognition and their name out there and they're getting more publicity than if they were just stuck in jail and not making a big public ordeal out of it. Have either of you by chance ever watched like a recreation of someone being put to death? Not like in a movie or anything that might be sort of pushed one way or another for more dramatic effect, but an actual proper recreate. Not in person necessarily, but maybe a video of one. In the documentary that I watched, they didn't do a necessarily exact recreation, but they did have somebody like sit down. They walked you through the whole process of the lethal ejection and the electrocution. It was one where they went through all the different Yeah, so which I think a lot of this will come up later when we talk about personal opinions and some of those pros and cons. But the whole um, witness thing is more for giving the perpetrator an opportunity to say their final words. So it's often members of their own family that are witnessing it as like witnessing their final moments type thing. Um, I think that's primarily what that is for. But then also, of course, there can be other other witnesses as well. It's interesting, too, that you guys bring up the witness thing. And Erica specifically talks about attention. That's another possible con that comes up when there are cases where a death penalty is being served out is how much of it is because there's pressure from the public and other people to give them the death penalty. A lot of times with really publicized cases, it brings in a lot more heat on whether or not it should be served out. Another really big con for the death penalty is the idea that, are you sure you have the right person? There's a lot of wrongful convictions that we cover in our podcast, specifically Erica really looks into those and How does that relate to the death penalty? The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. So wrongful convictions and the death penalty are a big issue. Since 1973, more than 165 people have been sentenced to death in the U.S. And then after they've been executed, they have been found to be wrongly convicted. 
In the United States? Yes. In the last 45-ish years, 165 people have been put to death for a crime they did not commit. You know what's especially crazy about that is the statistic I mentioned in part one about how only less than a quarter of 1% of cases, murder cases, end up in a successful death penalty execution. That even after all of those trials and retrials and all of those steps, all those processes, that still that many ended up being wrongful convictions. Well, and then there's that horrifying thought of you hear about in some a lot of wrongful convictions is that there's maybe investigators, detectives, professionals, quote unquote, who are giving a certain testimony to completely convict somebody, even though it's false and incorrect. And, you know, whether it be to cover their own asses or because they're just under pressure from the right kind of people or powerful people that, you know, they're fully aware of what they're doing and somebody might be losing their life because of it, even though they're innocent. And specifically, one that I want to point out is Rodney Reed, which was one we covered back in November on, we released an episode on November 15th, and he was scheduled to be executed on November 20th, 2019, which was five days after our episode was released. And there was evidence that hadn't been tested and evidence pointing away from him having murdered this young girl. And luckily, as you guys have probably heard, I think we announced it on one episode, He his execution was waived and they pushed it off so they could do a bunch of testing on the evidence and actually figure it out. But there is a man named Cameron Todd Willingham where it didn't work out in his favor for this. In 2004, he was actually put to death after being convicted of killing his three daughters in a fire. There was evidence that came to light afterwards, after he was put to death, that he was actually innocent and had not murdered his three daughters, but he was had already been executed. Man, that can that can make you sick to your stomach just thinking about what it would have been like to be to be him in that situation. To think about being in prison by yourself, knowing that your children have been murdered and everybody thinks that you did it. They were able to find the guy that actually did it, but at that point it was already too late. Cameron had already been put to death for something he didn't do. Whereas if he was still alive, he could have been released back into the world. While that's not great anyways to have served a bunch of time for a crime you didn't commit, it's definitely better than having been put to death for a crime you didn't commit. Now I'm just thinking about like the family and what they're supposed to get out of that. Like if there's any sort of compensation for that, there's really no way to properly compensate for that anyways, but it's just terrible. Yeah, because now they're not only lost these three girls, they're losing whatever he was to them as well to the family members you're losing four family members instead of three the compensation thing you know there really we talk about a lot in wrongful convictions there's no way to really make up for that type of trauma you're putting on someone but it's nice that somehow they're getting some type of payment to make their lives a little bit easier I did find that the Innocence Project actually helped file a lawsuit against the state of Texas for putting him to death wrongfully, but I didn't see what came out of that. It was either 2014 or 2011 when they did that. And now for the heated debate of the century, Abby versus Erica. Bryce listens. What? Fight. 
I don't think it's going to be as much of a debate as our past ones, but... The towel incident? We don't talk about that. This is one thing that Abby and I actually line up on more than other things. (laughs) I'll be curious to hear your thoughts. So, Abby, why don't you tell us your opinion on the death penalty? Okay, so I kind of have one, kind of (laughs) don't. I'm going to start off with... It's one of those things where I have never been able to completely say I'm on one side, either for it or against it. I will say, however, when I research it and I really look into it and I think about specifically the wrongful conviction part of it, I think it would be much safer not to have it. For the simple fact that I think for me personally, I would rather see the people who are guilty of stuff stay in jail their whole lives if it means that there's innocent people that can get pulled off of death row. I think it outweighs the innocent life outweighs the need to punish someone to the most extreme extent. I do want to say though I've never had like a family member or anyone very close to me be murdered so I cannot give a good opinion from that standpoint of what you need to see to have that closure. So I can sympathize with family members who want to see the person punished to what I would say would be like the ultimate punishment. On to you, Erica. Abby and I agree more on this. I think that serving out your sentence is a lot better than being put to death. I've heard a lot of people say that being put to death is kind of the easy way out, and I can see that. That's why people who are put in prison and sentenced to life commit suicide. It's so that they don't have to serve their whole sentence. Is it really the easy way out if the alternative is just them being taken care of in a prison for as long as they live or whatever? See, that's where I come in. (laughs) That doesn't make sense. (laughs) So with the death penalty itself, I am mostly against it. I do see some positives to it, and I could see it being used in certain cases, but I don't think it should be used in cases such as Rodney Reed, where he murdered one person, possibly, or these different people, where if there's any question about it, then there shouldn't be a death penalty. People like John Wayne Gacy or Ted Bundy, those are different stories where Israel Keys, I mean, those are people who it's a little bit different with. But what I've always said and kind of discussed with people is that instead of just putting them in the prison and taking care of them, as you said, you know, giving them a place to stay and food and everything, I think that there should be some different aspects. They should be more productive in society and they should be more responsible for working in the prisons and doing the job so that taxpayers' money is not putting as much into the prisons. And so things like commissary, they shouldn't be able to spend their extra money on commissary. Their money that they're getting should be going straight to what it takes to house them and feed them and clothe them and water them, which Bryce and Abby laugh when I say water them. But I mean, all of the things, I think it should just be you work to live here. It's your room and board. You don't get anything extra. So what happens in the circumstance where they absolutely refuse to do anything? That's when torture comes in. No. <laughs> I mean, there's many circumstances where people in prisons refuse to do different things, and they have methods in place for that. Solitary confinement, or taking away their outside time, or their leisure time. They take things away from them, which 
It's the same thing as like with a kid. You can only do so many things. You can't force somebody to do something. You can take things away, but they have to have some sort of willingness to do it. I mean, you can't go as far as starving them, but if you just start taking little things away, like, oh, you don't get your coffee today because you're refusing to do your job like you're supposed to be. Coffee isn't necessary for survival. I don't know. I mean, I think it is, but that's besides the point. With that, you know, it is cool to see that some prisons do have it set up where prisoners work there and they make some type of product for, like, outside the prison society. Something that I think probably comes up a lot when you talk about what prisoners should and shouldn't be allowed to have or do or what rights they have is, you know, what's humane and do you ultimately believe in rehabilitation over just punishing them? Because in theory, then, if somebody is in jail for a life sentence and they're supposed to basically just work through the motions, you're not going to have that extra stuff like that could rehabilitate them. You know, sometimes they do like music or writing classes or teaching them extra skills. Do you allow them to have that or do you think they lose all rights when they commit a crime that's punishable enough to keep them in prison i think that if they want to do some of these rehabilitation things or they want to get their college degree they need to be working extra to help pay for these things so the same way that we do it in the real world without having to commit a crime yeah there should be no situation where somebody commits murder and their situation in jail is better than someone outside of jail that didn't commit murder thank you for saying the words that are trying to come out of my mouth and just start working so i wonder if there's a way for you know the tax money that would go to people in prison to go to helping people who are like homeless or have disabilities i'm sure you've heard it many times but there are cases where people that are homeless or in terrible living situations will commit some sort of crime just to end up in jail because it'll be a better scenario and the fact that more taxpayer money goes towards that than any sort of method to help people that would actually benefit from it by just having a place to live i think just says a lot about how the societal structure is set up and how it could maybe be better Yeah, this is something that I've discussed heavily with many people in and out of the criminal justice field. And I know a lot of people agree. It's just trying to figure out the exact way to make it work. Because we all agree it needs change. Something in the criminal justice system needs to change in the prisons and in the courts. But the exact way to do that, the perfect way, I don't know that anybody knows it. And it's going to be a lot of trial and error. But I think that it's something that we need to be continuously working on improving. I'm sure it's a lot of the lazy factor because it's much easier to control something like jail because someone commits a crime, put them in jail. It's a very, quote, easy process that's kind of the same over and over again. There's there's no real, like, lenience to it necessarily, whereas with, like, homeless people, there's, like, all sorts of different ways that you could handle it. There's all sorts of different amounts of people in different areas and different ways to help them, and it's just a really nebulous thing to consider versus just something that's easy to control like just putting someone in jail and i already know that a question a lot of you guys are going to ask is what about overcrowding in the jails because anytime i talk about this being my opinion thinking that death penalty shouldn't be a thing everybody asks okay well then what about when the prisons are overcrowded because they already are so if we're keeping more and more people in prison for life then they're going to overcrowd i think because there's no concise answer to it a lot of this is going to come down to 
like a pro con weighing two things against each other like is the small offset chance of wrongly convicting someone to death when does that outweigh the vast amount of overpopulation in jails when does that outweigh what the victims families feel about it like there's so many things to weigh it against and it's you can either handle it with pure statistics or just what you feel about it and that's why this is hard well and abby just typed it on her computer and i saw her type it up which is exactly where i was going with it is the offenses that aren't as violent as murder or something where they need to be locked up what if people with lower charges for criminal acts if they are put into the community and they're made to do the construction or they're made to work in the prisons as a on probation just putting their time back into the community instead of just spending their time in jail 100 percent. and for me specifically something i've always looked at is people who are spending their life in prison for drug-related offenses where there was nothing violent attached to it. You know, drugs are such a dark and heavy thing and people get wrapped up in it and lose themselves. And that's a big part of the rehabilitation aspect of it, in my opinion, is if there's people who are being convicted for the lower level offenses or drug-related offenses where they didn't harm anyone, can we find a better way to rehabilitate them, put them back into society as opposed to keeping them in prisons that are already overcrowded for the rest of their lives? Because a lot of those people could be in jail for something as small as forgot to register their plate on time or like a lot of small things stacked on top of each other that could land jail time. And I'm sure there's a lot of those kinds of people that are in jail. And I'm sure that's where a lot of the, the overpopulating comes from. Well, and it's really sad too because there's so many homeless people out there who will purposely go out and commit a crime so that they can spend a night or two in jail because in the winter it's so cold or in the summer it's so hot or they just need a drink or food and it's so so awful that people who are committing crimes like you said Bryce are living a better life than people that are just trying to survive yeah so I guess if if I were to try to word my opinion in as few words as possible, that might not be possible. But I think ultimately it comes down to because it's such an extreme measure that the cases that it should be used in should be the most extenuating of circumstances, objectively unanimous, 0%. Like in the case of someone like John Wayne Gacy or Israel Keys, where there is a surplus of objective evidence against them and it's just without a doubt they've done it to multiple victims perhaps there is photographic or video evidence of it it is just without a doubt no one in the right mind would question it then maybe that's where it should start being considered that's where i would probably draw the line because just just to think about that that one specific situation of someone actually getting put to death and they were innocent the whole time. Like that's, that's such a grave mistake that, and then that gets back to the question of when do things outweigh each other? Is that small, small, small risk worth putting someone to death that maybe deserves it, right? But that's where I would probably draw the line. Which that last part you said, I think really depends person to person and where they view things and value things where they value I guess just in general the human life because you know some people say I you know I don't believe in killing anybody no matter what reason 
So in that scenario, they wouldn't want the death penalty. But not everybody has that same view. Just like everyone has, you know, there's such a difference of opinions that involves everybody's worldview, their religion, um, where they've grown up, and their experiences. So I think it's hard to have a good concrete answer on whether or not the death penalty is ultimately benefiting or hindering us. I think the best question to ask is not does the person belong on earth, but if they just belong in society. I think that's where most people would agree on, that if there is somebody like Israel Keys or whoever, I think anybody could agree they don't belong in society. But where we're putting them, I think we could maybe adjust how that's being handled as far as taxpayer money and what sort of life they're being given. That's probably what needs to change more, more so than the policy on death penalty. On a lighter note, after telling you all of our opinions, if you guys have an opinion, we'd love to have some sort of discussion. Feel free to comment on our social media. But I'm going to do a couple fun facts about death penalty. Interesting facts. Interesting facts. Probably a better way to word it. So since 1977, Texas has executed more inmates than any other state, which I don't think that surprises anybody. I think when you think of death penalty, a lot of people probably think of Texas. I wonder if that also applies to per capita as well. I feel like just the type of state that they are, it probably would. There is a warden named Jim Willett who worked at the Huntsville Prison in Texas, which is the only prison in Texas that does executions. And he oversaw 89 executions in a three-year span. Talk about desensitized. We do talk about this line of work in an episode that will be coming out in a while. But can you imagine working on death row and watching these, let alone just in a prison? That seems like such a taxing job. I don't know that I would have it in me to work in a prison like this or to oversee executions. So the executioner in Texas, there's just one. Their identity is kept secret during the duration of their job so that nobody knows who the executioner is. The prisoners will kind of talk about it a little bit so that and like kind of whisper secrets and stuff. And people will be like, that's the executioner. But nobody actually knows who the executioner is. The recreation that I watched, that was one part that they emphasized where behind the door or the one way mirror, whatever, where they're administering some of the chemicals, they're kind of just doing what they need to do normally but whenever they go into the room with the person being executed or the pastor or minister like they have different people in there for different reasons then they'll put on some sort of like facial mask or something like that which you know is something they do touch on in a lot of movies and shows they always have like a full black hood with just like eyes cut out you know and it's when you said no one knows who the executioner is there's like rumors it just sounds like some really creepy horror movie or video game and like the executioner is coming to get you but you don't know who it is it can be anyone around you and i'm sure it's just primarily for the protection of that person because they have nothing to do with it they're just the person that either um, some of the people in the room volunteer for like different parts of the drugs but um, they're still the medical professional that oversees it Um, usually they're the one that ends up being protected so it makes sense yeah, and that's what I was going to say. So the the executioner, it's their job to do it. They're kept secret for protection. Abby's looking at me like I'm the executioner, which sometimes. But the rest of the execution team is made up of volunteers from the staff members. So there's no staff member that's actually required to take part in any execution. It's all volunteers. Would either of you ever volunteer to be a part of that? I'm just curious. 
I mean, no, but I'm not necessarily for the death penalty anyway, so I'm really biased on that. I think the one staff member, I guess you would say, that they mentioned in this recreation, I think they paid him like 300 bucks or something, something like that. So I guess if you really just like distract yourself and don't think about it too much, you walk away with 300 bucks. I was going to say, you know, it's weird that they're volunteers, and I know you're talking about one prison specifically. I do wonder, because it seems like a job you would have to pay someone a lot to do. So you were talking about people walking away with money. In Florida, the job of the executioner is carried out by a civilian that is paid $150. I mean, it's Florida. The last two facts that I have for you. The first one is just that on average, people spend about 15 years on death row. And then the last one is just an idea of how much people spend on their last meal. Because I know Abby and I did an episode on last meals. So in Florida, inmates are given a maximum $40 spending limit for their last meal. And then in Oklahoma, it's $15. But I didn't look up every state. I just kind of looked up a little bit of a range. So I know we've talked about before how crazy it is, some of the things that people order. I know there are some states that have no spending limit. Yeah, John Wayne Gacy definitely went over 40 bucks on his. I think he had strawberries, right? And KFC and like, I don't know, did he have... He had a lot. Whatever it was, it was a lot of it. There was definitely seafood mixed in, too. Thanks for listening to this two-part episode on the death penalty. We hope you learned a lot. And again, feel free to leave any comments on social media. Send us an email with your thoughts and opinions. And we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 